0: I have a question for you. What do you know about stem cells? What if you could activate your own stem cells naturally? Are you suffering from any signs of aging? Gray hair, saggy skin, aches and pains throughout your body, not sleeping through the night? I have found something that has helped to redefine my aging, that has helped to give me more energy. I'm sleeping better at night. My stamina is increased and any pain and tension and stress inflammation? Gone. Have you heard about the new stem cell activation technology? What if you could activate your own stem cells for less than a cup of coffee a day? I've been using stem cell activating patches for over 13 years. They have been life-changing for me. Head over to jenniferpilates.com, click on the X39 stem cell activation patch, and let's continue this conversation and get you to the healthiest you you've ever been. Welcome to Empowered Within, a soul quenching transformational podcast that will set your soul on fire. Through candid and inspiring conversations, leading experts, celebrities, healers, and I share our journeys of how we've overcome challenges to living an empowered life from within. I'm your host, Jennifer Pilates. Welcome to another episode of empowered within Hi there and welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have with us today Peggy Bodie. She has been a corporate leader for over 25 years and has spent her entire career mentoring women in business. She recently resigned her position as senior vice president to become a full-time writer. Peggy continues to pursue her passion for mentoring women by providing career and leadership coaching via her foundation, Sacred Work. Peggy's mission is to take everything she has learned as a writer, leader, and child of God, and to use it to encourage and help you. Welcome to the show, Peggy.
1: Hi, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here with you and your listeners. Thank you. Yes,
0: we are honored to have you here. So tell me, where in the world are you today?
1: I am in a small mountain town in Colorado called Pagosa Springs.
0: Love it. Beautiful. I've been there. I actually have. I have. I actually lived down in Durango, Colorado for a minute. I'll say for a minute. (laughs) But I also lived. Yes, I also lived in Boulder and I lived up in Breckenridge, too. But oh, I love the Southwest there. It's beautiful.
1: It is the most beautiful place I've ever lived. And what a reminder that it's a small world.
0: It truly is, right? Pagosa Springs, so beautiful. And then there's that railroad that you can go like up and around in a circle. I forget all the places, but I Silverton, did it. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh, so amazing. So let's dive right in, Peggy. And tell me, you call yourself a broker of hope. Explain to me what that means and how that came to be.
1: I think that Being a broker of hope was rooted in me from childhood. I had a a traumatic childhood and hope is what brought me through that. And I carried that into the workplace. And I think especially as leaders, it's our job to navigate the people God has entrusted us with through difficult situations in a way that removes fear and inspires hope. So I think there's plenty of opportunities, most recently, COVID, for example, there are plenty of opportunities where we can speak hope into the workplace and use it to help our employees. So that's something I try to do intentionally
0: in the workspace and in life. Absolutely. How was it going through traumatic events and going through the corporate world? How did you find hope again in God after everything that you went through?
1: That is a great question. Let me back up and just tell a little bit, a little snippet of my story, and maybe that will shine the light on how I approach hope and how I was able to find it again. So I was adopted as a baby in the Chicago area, and the couple who adopted me was on paper perfect. He worked. She was a stay-at-home mom. We went to church three times a week there was no drug or alcohol abuse, but all of those facades basically made it more dangerous for me because no one suspected that abuse was going on. And that was also very confusing to me as far as God went, because the God of love and hope and mercy that I was learning about in Sunday school was not present in our home. So it gave me a warped sense of who he was. But In his faithfulness, my time in that home ended when I was 12, and I ended up being, I basically threatened to tell about the abuse that was going on, so they booted me out, and that was the best thing that could have ever happened. People have asked me, weren't you scared? Actually, I was very relieved to be out of that environment. No social services were involved, no foster care But I ended up with, after I was in several homes, I ended up with a family that there were already five kids, but this couple took me in, loved me unconditionally, accepted me. And that was really the first glimpse I had of who God really was. And that was also an anchor of hope where I felt like there, there was a way and that someone besides me was in charge of what I was going through and that it was going to be okay. Wow. So that was the first milestone where hope came into play for me.
0: That's a huge milestone. And if it's okay, I'd like to ask for someone who may be out there, maybe we have a younger listener who may be in a similar situation and who might be looking for an out or a ray of hope. What would you suggest to them... To someone who may have may be in a situation similar to like you were in? Because we hear about that a lot, but we don't hear about the what should that person, that child in that place do? What options do they have?
1: That's a great question. And I wish that someone had talked to me about that when I was a kid, because people often ask, why didn't you leave before then? As a kid, we don't think that's an option. That's just not. we kids. So I would say... And what I wish I would have done is I had a couple of teachers in particular who really nurtured me and they didn't really have any idea about what was going on in the home, but they were definitely advocates for me. And in retrospect, I wish I would have confided in them. I also had a youth leader at church. I wish I would have talked to her about it. I had parents who are kids whose parents I felt comfortable with. I wish I would have talked to them. But the thing, the chokehold of child abuse is silence and shame. So if there's a young person out there listening and they are thinking that what's happened to them is their fault and they're ashamed and afraid to talk about it, what I would say is that you will find freedom in talking about it. You can't get out of it without talking about it and voicing what's happening will take away its power. So I would encourage them, talk to the parents of friends, someone from church, a teacher. Those are adults who can become resources and help you. And it's a lot more acceptable to to step in and advocate for kids now, where in my generation, everyone thought the parents are always right, it must be the kid. I think there's a little more space for kids to find help today.
0: Yeah, that is incredible advice. Thank you for sharing that, because it's so important to pass That forward and to help someone else that we can or maybe there's a parent that's listening who knows of something going on and they don't know what to do and this is incredible advice for them to try to help that child as well in their neighborhood
1: yes absolutely and one person i can speak from experience one teacher or one adult that affirms a child that loves a child that speaks encouragement into a child's life life life-changing one person can truly Mm -hmm. make a difference
0: Just as now, fast forward, you making a difference in women's lives, right? One person can make a difference in anyone's life at any moment. And you've been doing that for so many years. Tell me what brought you into that time and space.
1: So when I worked in corporate, I often felt isolated. And part of that is because I worked in a male-dominated industry. So I felt isolated as a woman. I definitely felt alone as a female leader. But I also at times felt isolated as a Christian because I didn't know a lot of other Christian women who were single moms, who loved their careers, who didn't stay at home. So I always felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And that made me determined to help other women to step into that gap so they wouldn't feel that way. So I made an intentional decision long before I left corporate to mentor women in and outside the organization. So when God called me into a new season of life and a new career, I knew he wouldn't want me to waste those decades of business experience. And he had blessed me with such a successful career that I wanted to pay that forward and reinvest that experience in other women. So I started my ministry, which is called Sacred Work, and I help about two women a month, And I mentor them through difficult career and leadership challenges for free. So that's my way of giving back and trying to be the person that I think would have helped me when I was coming up through corporate. And since I'm a freelance writer, I have the time and flexibility to be able to do that.
0: That's incredible. What a wonderful way to pay that forward. Now, you're also a full-time writer. So how did we pivot And what brought us to that moment? Again, you've mentioned that God, and this was a guided moment to do that because we also have some exciting news that I want you to share about your book that's coming out.
1: I would love to share that. So I'll lead with that because I'm still very excited about it. I received a formal offer from Moody Publishers for my book, which is called Sacred Work, Empowering Christian Women to Lead with Strength. And that has been... An incredible journey as a writer my my day job is i write textbooks and that has helped me to hone my skills to be able to write the potential the book that's going to be coming out in the market but the pivot the pivot took a couple of years in the making because with my childhood background i have trust issues i feel like i have to be self-reliant much more than i should so when god started nudging me and i was an english major I was on my way to law school when I detoured into business. I've been a writer in some capacity for my entire life, but this is still huge. Writing on the side is very different than writing to support yourself. So God had given me this nudge. I didn't want to do it. I kept putting him off. Um, And then in my career, I was up for a big promotion to CEO and I didn't get it. And I I felt betrayed by the way it was handled. But that's God knew I needed that to help me realize that He had given me a career to provide for me and my daughter. And I had turned it into an idol and I had put more weight on it than I should. And so I leaned into Him and His wisdom and I took the step. I wrote for a year as a freelance writer before I left corporate, which was hard to do to juggle both. But I just wanted to make sure that it was sustainable. And then I turned in my notice and resigned, and the business has been running full steam ahead for eight years
0: since. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Such an incredible full circle to come into, an incredible way to be able to give back, empower others, and be the broker of hope that you are.
1: I just believe in the power of hope. I think I know some people choose a new word every year, and that's a word that I just keep coming back to because it's very empowering. And it's something that I think can take people through difficult work situations, difficult life situations. And it's definitely a part of who I am. And I try to share that with others on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, that is so important. What piece of advice would you give to someone who's listening today who says, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to write. Where do they start? What piece of advice do you give them to follow their passion that's in their heart?
1: That's a great question. And I recently, I've had so many people ask me that and I recently wrote a couple of articles about it because I wanted to help people answer the questions that I have when I started. So I think the first thing is the person has to assess what, how far they want to take their writing career. Is it something they want to do on the side to generate a little extra income? Is it something they want to do full-time? Once they decide that, they have to look at what's out there and what niche they fit into. And that will really help them focus where they invest their efforts because there's a lot of opportunities to, to get paid to write and people don't realize it. The hard truth is that even though a degree isn't critical – a person has to have writing skills to be able to make it. If someone's listening and they've never written for pay, I would say, ask yourself these questions. Have people consistently complimented your writing? Do you find yourself writing for volunteer opportunities? Are you the person at work that people come to and say, hey, could you look this over? Could you check this out? Have your skills as a writer been applauded? Because those skills, if you're going to make money at it, the bottom line is you have to have those those skills. I would also recommend joining an organization for freelancers because those types of places will give you the opportunity to learn from other writers who started out exactly like you did. And that will help you explore whether or not this is truly something you want to do for a living. Also, I would encourage any of your listeners who have questions about it to contact me directly. I am more than happy to help them get started and understand what that looks like.
0: Oh, that's incredible advice. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of that. With your new book coming out, do we have a time, a time frame in mind? The publishing cycle is
1: very long, so it will not be on the market for 2 years. So, once you sign a contract, you usually have 8 to 12 months to finish the book. And then they take a year to get it in print and get the marketing dialed. And then it comes out in the market. So it's going to be a couple of years.
0: I think that's inc- an incredible piece of information to share, especially for those out there who may be wanting to be an author and thinking they have to have a full book done to present it to a publisher. I love what you just shared. Never thought of that. So did you, how did that work for you then, that process? Did you take a piece of the book, chapters, a summary? How did your that's a, deal work? Yeah.
1: That's a great question. So the way it works is if your book is nonfiction, then you typically write two to three chapters and you incorporate those into what's called a book proposal, And that book proposal has an outline, it has your marketing plan, but publishers only want you to do two to three chapters because they want to weigh in on the rest of the content. So if it's nonfiction, you will only do two or three chapters, the book proposal, then you can either get an agent or go directly to the publisher and try to get represented and then try to win a contract. But A book proposal is essential. You have to have a book proposal. If it's fiction, the whole book has to be done. That's almost 100% of the time. They want to see the whole thing up front. But I only write nonfiction, which was kind of a relief to me because it's less intimidating for some reason to just have two or three chapters complete than to have the whole thing done.
0: Sure. Absolutely. It's an interesting process. Yes, that is. I haven't heard that slice of the process before. So I think that's really cool that you shared that.
1: Yeah. Anything to help fledgling writers, That that is something that I think that one of the benefits of or the positive outcomes of learning things the hard way is helping other people learn the easy way. Anything that I learned along the writing journey, I'm happy to share with other people.
0: That segues us right into something that you called recycled strength. Will yes. you talk about that? Because I absolutely adore the wording. I think it's Fabulous. So share with us, what is recycled strength and how did that come about?
1: So it came about from a verse in Second Corinthians that basically says that when God has helped us come through difficult situations, then we in turn help others come through those same situations. So that's been, I don't know if you want to call it a mantra, but a guiding theme in my life for a really long time. And whether it's writing leadership, career change, even the harder personal things like childhood trauma, anything that God has helped me get through, I don't want to waste any of those experiences. So I recycle that strength um, and give it to other people in a way that can benefit them. And I think that's really important because it's a constant, it's a daily, it's a mindful thing. It's a way of life for me. And I've had other people do that with me, and it's made a huge difference. So I recycle that and try to give it back to others.
0: I love that statement. It is so beautiful, and I love where it comes from, and it is so fitting with you and everything that you're doing to help Christian women throughout life. It's so empowering. It's wonderful. So we are getting to this time in the show, Peggy, where I ask this one question, are you ready? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) What is one thing that no one knows about you? I think one
1: thing that very few people know is that I lived in Japan for a year as a kid. My adoptive mother was Japanese, took me to Japan, and I lived there and was immersed in that culture and another little-known fact about me, and I don't know if it's related or not, is that I'm avid about martial arts and have done kickboxing and a kenpo karate and a lot of other things. I, I love that. So there's a couple of things that very few people know.
0: Those are very cool things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you remember how old you were when you were living in Japan? I was Six.
1: Wow. I was six and I still have a few pictures and I still remember a lot about that time period.
0: Wow. And what an incredible opportunity and experience.
1: It was for sure.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I love getting the tidbits. Wow. That's awesome. Peggy, will you share with our audience where they can best get in contact and follow you?
1: Yes. If they would go to my website, it is com. They can connect with me. I would be happy to help them with writing, career, leadership, anything. It's all free. There's no catch. I'm also on LinkedIn. If your listeners want to find me there, I would love to connect with them.
0: That is wonderful. Peggy, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your journey and your story and for all that you're doing to bring hope into this world. We need so much more of it.
1: Thank you, Jennifer.
0: Thank you again, and as we say, until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Empowered Within with Jennifer Pilates. Your feedback is important. It helps me to connect with you and gives me insight into who you are and what you're enjoying about the show. For today's show notes and discount codes from today's sponsors, head over to jenniferpilates.com. Until next time, may you live an empowered life from within.